Hunwick has it. Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini, he'll shoot. Save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six ends remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And looks like the show business of the Republican Party has been tempered a bit. Well, that entire move is itself a form of show business. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at this point... Gustav's been downgraded, I think, to a Category 1. It's raining very heavily, and of course, a number of people uh, have been evacuated and so forth. But this is, I don't know, uh, they're trying to play it as a sort of a Katrina will never happen again right. sort of a move on their part. I wonder the extent to which it merely draws attention to those blunders well those blunders and it would would have been ironic because tonight was the night that dick cheney and george bush were gonna address the convention and that might have actually been a blessing in disguise oh absolutely i'm sure that if it weren't for the uh to have both of them speak what cheney's uh approval ratings are somewhere be just barely double digit yeah and and of course katrina was the beginning of the end of bush's presidency so to speak because uh as if we weren't convinced already from both his uh, reckless fiscal policy, his tax-cutting uh, nonsense, and, of course, the uh, war in Iraq was uh, going south on the man. Uh, we got confirmation that, as H.L. Mencken once put it, the American people will elect, elect a complete idiot as president someday. And... Uh, well, the classic words, uh, you're doing a great job, Brownie. That will live in infamy. Um, and, of course, Dick Cheney uh, would have uh, revved up the troops, uh, just quoting from his remarkable <laughs> comment earlier this year, back in March, when he said, quote, it's been difficult on the Iraq war. It's been difficult, challenging, but nonetheless successful endeavor, unquote. Unbelievable. That's rousing language indeed. <laughs> of course, he may have a chance to uh, rouse uh, the troops uh, when he visits Georgia next week. Yeah. In a rather bizarre uh, development that makes you wonder if uh, this uh, whole tempest in a teapot, as far as the U.S. perspective is concerned, uh, over Georgia might be something that they're trying to uh, stoke the fires of just because they think it plays well for McCain. Yeah, and, and by the way, I have a very interesting uh, revelation on Georgia. I'll have to bring it in next week because I uh, put the thing, set it aside, and then I forgot it. But it's it's about how the Fox News, in a, uh, shall we say, partnership with uh, the government-controlled media there, mm -hmm. basically covered up um, protests that were occurring in Tbilisi against uh, the government of Saakashvili. So, very interesting Fox, uh, fair and balanced, uh, right. wouldn't report the protest. 
And then, of course, this shocking choice for vice president. Uh, Sarah, don't call me Michael Palin. <laughs> um, I, I'm sort of speechless. I mean, she, it, there, I mean, it's catapulted her into stardom. Obviously, she would have been the talk of the week, but Gustav is... Right. Uh, or Gustav has uh, supplanted that um, hoopla, but um, I mean, this woman's dealt with one state budget in the state of Alaska, and it turns out, leaving aside this uh, remarkable revelation today that her 17-year-old daughter is is pregnant, and this had to be issued to counteract rumors that this uh, young infant with Down syndrome wasn't her baby but her daughter's wow now if that turns out to be true this is thomas all, all bets are on <laughs> eagleton all over again <laughs> yeah you got to wonder uh when this revelation you know did the teenage daughter tell mom you know oh gosh mom i guess i better tell you this now or did they know it all along and just decide well let's try to keep it quiet until rumors develop so the whole history of the revelation itself will be interesting to see but well, I suspect there will be some other surprising developments regarding her biography. Um, I doubt that the national media has had investigative reporters up in Alaska, but uh, they're on the way. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, this is, uh, you know, abortion is going to be f featured prominently this week in the Republican sure. show, so to speak. And I took the time this afternoon to actually read the Blackman opinion on, on Roe. And I, I just find it fascinating how these issues are never discussed. First of all, Roe was, was, was approved 7 to 2. The dissenters at the time were... 1973? Yeah. Byron White and uh, um, Judge Rehnquist, who, of course, later... He had just been appointed to the Supreme Court by uh, Tricky Dick. Reagan made him Supreme Court Justice. Well, Yeah. After all the nonsense, Chief with, Justice, yeah, with uh, Ginsburg. But it's fascinating to actually read the opinion, what it's based on, what the reasoning was, and Blackman goes into a very sophisticated discussion of the right to privacy, a fundamental right to privacy. He points out that nowhere in the Constitution is there a quote explicit right to privacy, but as he puts it, over the years, the uh, uh, Supreme Court statutes, uh, rulings, had developed a zone of privacy, an inherent right of privacy, and indeed inciting various cases that the Supreme Court had ruled on. Uh, I'll just list some of these cases and their issues. Griswold was about birth control, um, and as he puts it, um, he cites the First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Ninth Amendment, and the Fourteenth Amendment as all uh, reasons for uh, a, quote, guarantee of certain zones of privacy. As he puts it, there is a guarantee of a certain zones of privacy, and they do exist. And uh, the, the Ninth Amendment, just for the record, is interesting because... Uh, it's part of the original Bill of Rights, and it just... Not frequently cited, either. Not frequently cited, but it's interesting because it says the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be constituted to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so it's a very vague 
amendment, but it does suggest that people have rights implicitly in the Constitution. And needless to say, he cites dozens of cases to justify the decision, including loving uh, regarding marriage, procreation, uh, the Skinner case, contraception, the Eisenstadt case, family relationships, a case called Prince versus Massachusetts, and child rearing and education, uh, a case called Pierce. And he's, I'll quote this, he says, the right of privacy, whether it is founded on the 14th or 9th Amendment, is broad enough to encompass a woman's decision whether or not to terminate her pregnancy. And he goes into the details of how um, the right to terminate uh, pregnancies was actually widespread uh, in during the founding days of our republic. Um, and uh, he cites some explanations for why uh, abortion laws were passed, as he puts it, in the latter part of the 19th century, uh, restricting abortion. And, of course, the Roe case was, an, was a, a, a challenge to a Texas state law uh, prohibiting abortion. And we won't hear any of this discussed this week. Instead, we'll hear this vague nonsense about uh, life beginning at conception, uh, which, by the way, uh, Blackman specifically addresses uh, the issue. He points out that, uh, as he puts it, um, we cannot resolve the difficult question of when life begins. When those trained in medicine, philosophy, and theology are unable to arrive at any consensus, the judiciary at this point in the development of man's knowledge is not in a position to speculate as to the answer. We never hear this cited. And I think it's fascinating to actually read the Roe decision because uh, the specific case that, that, that Blackman writes about in, in citing these cases addresses this precise issue of um, when does life begin. He notes... Um, by the way, and I'll just quote this, he says, thus at common law, and at the time that the Constitution was written, and throughout a major portion of the 19th century, a woman enjoyed a substantially broader right to terminate a pregnancy than she does in most states today. So, I just wanted to bring that up, and I would urge all people interested in this subject to actually read the ruling. Because if we are going to overturn Roe, which is going to be a fundamental platform uh, issue for the Republicans, to be sure. And it's in the platform, and we're going to hear a lot about it in connection with this, even the ir irony that, that her 17-year-old daughter is pregnant. Because if we overturn that right... And, of course, minors in most states today have to go around the system mm -hmm. to get a pregnant, uh, a, an abortion. Uh, there are these so-called parental consent laws, which actually allow the parent to decide whether or not the pregnancy will continue, not the teenager, uh, which I find incredibly troubling. And while the media will somehow claim that uh, because she uh, had this youngster with Down syndrome last year and 
there seems to be maybe a debate about that, which uh, to me, uh, that would be just absolutely shocking. But one can believe, just for the sake of argument, that if you have this zealous right-winger whose daughter is pregnant at the age of 16, maybe, or who knows, and she covers that up, mm-hmm. <laughs> says it's mine, because apparently this pregnancy was sort of suddenly announced to the media. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the truth is, but <laughs> this would be shocking. Well, regardless of, of whether or not uh, that turns out to be the case, and even you know, putting aside for a moment the pregnant daughter, yeah. you know, there's already some aspects about... Uh, Sarah Palin that are probably not fully comforting to the religious right. Uh, you, you know, it's not that long ago that Pat Robertson, although I'm sure he'll be denied a speaking opportunity at this convention, uh, said, you know, on national TV to the world that that it was women in the workplace who are, uh, it's, he linked it to lesbianism and witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the most bizarre speeches I ever heard at a, a political convention. Uh, so, you know, there is that element of... Uh, the religious right that, uh, in, in a way similar to the idea of uh, the potential racist voter who might say to a pollster that he is not you know, unfavorably inclined towards Obama because of his race, but then might secretly vote that way. Mm-hmm. I think there are probably a number of uh, right-wingers who might say, oh, you know, to a pollster, yes, it's good to have a woman on the ticket, but who might also be thinking, well... I'm just not going to vote at all this year. Right. Um, so there's there's some element of that. Um, it was rather amusing, I think, uh, what Alexander Coburn wrote about uh, Sarah Palin's uh, having been named here. <laughs> he, uh, of course, uh, kind of scoring off of the idea that she was the uh, runner-up of in the Miss Alaska contest mm-hmm. a number of years ago. He wrote, uh, who would not wish to take off Sarah's spectacles and liberate those rich, heaped-up dresses? <laughs> it's the librarian look, so reminiscent of Laura Bush in happier times. And uh, Yeah, I think Maureen Dowd is going to have a field day with, oh, I bet. <laughs> with, with Sarah Palin. But the quote that I wanted to single out and kind of focus on here from uh, Sarah Palin is, uh, of course, about her family. And uh, this is from uh, Stephanie Kirschengastner's uh, article in the Financial Times of August uh, 31st. And uh, she quotes Sarah Palin as saying, It is a sign of the times to be able to do this. I can think of so many male candidates who watched families grow while they were in office. There is no reason to believe that a woman can't do it with a growing family. My baby will not be at all or in any sense neglected. Okay, now that's the quote. The leading statement there is disingenuous at best. It is a sign of the times to be able to do this. Well, that's not necessarily true because the ruling classes in any society have always had access to child care. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nanny system, the servant system in England or any number of other uh, countries around the world. If you're highborn, upper class, landowner, you've always had a servant class to take care of. And here's the embarrassing, you know, a hidden truth that democracy in its inception has always been linked to slavery um, in our own country and in, of course, in the, the ancient classical world uh, as well. The work of others frees up the leisure time for elites to, you know, control and 
make decisions about society. So when when Sarah Palin says it's a sign of the times to be able to do this, that's utter nonsense. Um, what's missing from her statement is labor. She must have a you know. I know my wife and and I have two daughters. I went you know I work a full time job put myself through grad school we would not have been able to do it without my Mm mother-in-law who often stayed with us and took care of the girls when they were little and uh, it's just impossible to have a professional career and a family unless you've got some sort of backup and she's now going to be a grandmother she's now going to be a grandmother (laughs) and so here on labor day Uh i think it's worth noting that you remember a few years ago we had nanny gate Mm -hmm. uh let's find out a little bit about her nanny system, you know, uh, she's got to be a little bit more upfront and honest about it there. Of course, she's probably a loving mother. Nobody doubts that for a moment. Um, but if she didn't have these unnamed workers who care for her children, their development, their safety, their well-being, et cetera, et cetera, they would indeed be neglected. So Yeah, and I mean, to simultaneously contemplate that she's got a five-month or six-month-old infant with Down syndrome, right. soon to be a grandmother and a heartbeat away from the presidency. I mean, the main issue with a vice president, and there can be no question that of all of the people nominated in recent years, she resembles Danforth Quayle the most. <laughs> Indeed. Um, the, you know, the dynamic duo of H.W. and Dan Quayle. Um no one felt confident about Dan Quayle uh, taking over the reins <laughs> of our nation. Um, and I think that it's troubling when you hear the spinmeisters uh, on the uh, concern. And, you know, it's all been favorable. Every single spokesperson has stayed true to form. They're dismissive of any concerns regarding her. I even heard some sort of disinformation about her international experience today. Uh, in which they stated, well, she's been to Germany and Kuwait to visit the Alaska National Guard, and she's commander of the Alaska National Guard. They've since added that she's also been to Ireland. Yeah. But I wonder if that's in a personal capacity as a tourist or as an official representative of her state. And certainly under the visiting the National Guard in a controlled, um, shall we say, antiseptic environment is not quote traveling abroad no. in any sense of the word um so her international experience i i heard one spinmeister claim that she was qualified because alaska is close to russia <laughs> once belonged to russia <laughs> i'm like well yeah it's also probably 11 time zones from moscow <laughs> Just about. Well, the other thing about Alaska. And my speculation, by the way, and I want to bring this up again, is I think Mitt Romney was the guy until the gaffe that, that McCain made two weeks ago about, about not the house. About not knowing the houses. Because it turns out that Mitt's got five. So between McCain <laughs> and Mitt Romney, um, they ought to be able to house a lot of people fleeing those hurricanes. <laughs> um. And and the rumor is that he made the decision on Thursday. Well, he probably saw the Obama uh, speech. He probably had some int- instant numbers that showed that the Obama speech was viewed by somewhere between 40 and 48 million people. Mm-hmm. Twice what saw, that, that saw Kerry, the most watched acceptance speech in American history. 
and he realized, well, I do need to throw a little bit of a time bomb in here. A big distraction, because Palin has just sucked up all the air Yeah. Uh, or, uh, since uh, the Obama uh, acceptance speech on Thursday. And, of course, you know, today it's all Gustav, but uh, so it goes. Uh, but it, to me, you have to have some concern in your mind uh, regarding Sarah Palin's actual qualifications to be the vice president of the United States. And not to slight the good people of Alaska, including my very close personal friend uh, who lives there and teaches high school, but it's very atypical of it's every other state in the union. Precisely. It's it's sort of a monoculture. Uh, you know, there is some, you know, ethnic diversity there, but it's essentially a series of small towns. Yeah. Um, it's It's... And it receives massive federal aid. I mean, yeah. this is another thing. Balancing the budget in the state of Alaska is probably less complicated than dealing with Ann Arbor's city budget. Right. Uh, in reality, this, 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 I mean, the real issue should about Alaska should maybe be why do they get so much money from the federal government? And there are Alaska scandals all over the map here. And this idea, you know, the Ann Arbor News had a had a, a headline: "Proven Reformer." And I'm like, how can you be a proven reformer if you've been on the job for 18 months? Right. I'm sure that she's got an element of good government quality to, to, to why she's currently popular. But I say, let's wait and see. Let's, <laughs> let's see some real investigations. Because I don't think the Anchorage Daily News, which I believe is the newspaper in, in uh, Anchorage, or the Juneau News, which is the state capital, are probably terribly thorough in investigating her background. <laughs> Remember that when Geraldine Ferraro was nominated in 84, within a week, all of the issues were not about her, 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 her husband's financial... Uh, it was all about her, uh, yeah. her husband's financial uh, shenanigans. And this idea that, oh, this is privacy... Or that Cindy McCain can say, well, I, I'm not going to release my tax returns because of privacy. Um, She's already claiming Dick Cheney's concept of executive privilege. I know. And the thing <laughs> that's oh, the only relevant issue regarding privacy, I might add, is abortion that I just talked right. about. That's in the Constitution. That's been ruled on. But we have expectations regarding public officials. And some degree of transparency. Some degree of transparency. And there, there need to be... Um, I don't know. I, I just don't understand how privacy can shut off any investigation. Now, going after the young daughter, I, I think her name is Bristol. <laughs> uh, she's just a, like Britney Spears' little sister. Yeah, she has interesting names uh, for her children. Um, and speaking of Dan uh, Quayle, by the way, just because... <laughs> um, a golden hit from yesteryear. Yes, a golden hit that no one... I don't think I've even seen him on television in a He's decade. He's been off the map. You used to hear little bits about his wife, who was actually probably the power unit in yeah, that family. The power unit, no <laughs> doubt. Um, but in honor of Dan Quayle, I, it was interesting to observe that in the most recent Harper's Index that, uh, according to the United Nations, 2008 is the year of the potato. <laughs> I'm sure Sarah, don't call me Michael Palin, can spell p potato. Well, let's hope. Um, 
You know, as far as a future debate between Palin and Joe Biden is concerned, uh, on the one hand, it looks like it should be a fairly simple matter for him, but the idea of the hot-button issue of abortion and the sentimentality of what it might look like to attack a woman in a uh, rhetorical exercise, uh, if you can call the debates such as they are currently organized rhetorical exercises, um, it's going to be a very interesting debate. Well, it is, and, and, the, and the choice is cynical in a certain sense. The notion that this uh, Sarah Palin is going to appeal to disaffected Hillary voters that was that myth was pierced last week. I, the media was playing that up about the convention and all these disaffected Hillary voters. There aren't that many. No, and actually, her speech, if we want to talk a little bit about last week's Democratic convention, um, was receiving rave reviews from a wide yeah. number of, of uh, people. And by the way, even Pat Buchanan was talking about how great Obama's speech was. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think for Obama, it was a, a little bit below some of the other speeches that he's given, but it was certainly outstanding, and Bill Clinton was top-notch. I actually missed Bill Clinton because I was uh, watching the Allman Brothers and Rat Dog over there at Pine Knob having a good old time That's in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that, an, an and I'm just going to mention this as a final comment about this uh, Palin selection, um, First of all, it was fascinating how many people got her name wrong the first day. That's this is how unknown she was. Mm -hmm. I saw her on 60 Minutes a couple years ago by chance um, discussing her uh, reforms and whatnot. But it occurred to me once they agreed to the, to the schedule for the debates, the vice presidential debates, and once they saw that Gwen Ifill would be moderating the VP debate, let's face it, she's a softie. Mm. And I don't expect I, I, I don't expect there to be fireworks in that debate uh, as much as one might like. It would be a little better if it were Tim Russert, because <laughs> uh, he did some pretty aggressive questioning of Hillary Clinton. Um, don't count on that in the in the VP debate. So I think that the Democrats, interestingly, are going to have to go very cautious on this. It's obvious that it's a a fly in the ointment. But um, as you say, there's the potential for a sort of an Eagleton. Uh, oh, this. The Eagleton has landed. Could get incredibly interesting. I mean, you could picture a baby switch <laughs> quite easily to cover up the fact. Sure. You know, here you are, a conservative, you know, quote, maverick, um, extolling all these social. Uh, virtues, you know, lifetime member of the NRA, pro-life, blah 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 blah. But yeah, your teen, your teen daughter getting pregnant before she's finished high school is not quite the, uh, shall we say, the shining example of abstinence only, right? <laughs> or um, uh, using a condom, right? Any of it. I mean, you know, we don't need to get into it. Teens obviously have sex. Uh, the far right and James Dobson of Focus on the Family seem to not believe this, but uh, America actually has the highest teen pregnancy of any industrialized nation. And part of it is nonsense like abstinence only. Right. Oh, or t <clears throat> teaching creationism in the schools, which she's an advocate of. So she's perfect on all these irrelevant social issues that right. have nothing to do with the vice presidency 
You're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. The program is Gray Matters, and we it looks like we may run over a little bit today as we await uh, the arrival of the Yazoo City Calling host. Um, John McCain is uh, now saying that he actually wants to give his acceptance speech from New Orleans, from the Hurricane Center. And as I've been monitoring the Weather Channel over the last couple of days, they've got that little, uh, you know, iconic image of the logo there for the hurricane, this circle with the swirly items as it approaches the shoreline. I'm wondering if we should also get a map with a picture of John McCain's face as it approaches because he wanted to be there. He wanted to go there. And I wonder what the hell does he think he's going to do there? Well, exactly. And of course, it was fascinating to hear how many times Sarah Palin... uh, used the word 9-11 in her little statement on Friday. Um, I guess apparently now everything has been thrown for a loop. And why would McCain go do this? I mean, this is kind of silly. It's very silly. (laughs) I mean, John McCain, you know, with, with a backdrop, I'm sure, of Jackson Square, because, you know, Bush made his famous speech from New Orleans with Jackson Square in the background. Um... I don't know. It would be kind of funny if while John McCain were <laughs> giving his speech with Jackson Square as the background, that we had that famous scene from the Full Monty where the gnomes <laughs> in the background <laughs> start dancing behind his head. I think that would be absolutely wonderful. <laughs> oh, well, it might be enough. To do to John McCain what apparently, for more serious reasons, has happened to uh, Asif Zadari. This is a bizarre story that kind of got blown off the uh, front pages last week. Uh, Zadari, the uh, leading contender for the presidency of Pakistan, has been diagnosed as suffering from severe psychiatric problems and depression. Which means he's qualified to become president of the United States. Right. (laughs) So if it doesn't work out for him to uh, be president of Pakistan, he might want to consider coming over here. Of course, the coalition over there has fallen apart since Nawaz Sharif, uh, the junior partner in that government coalition, has pulled his party out. And so... You know, what uh, sort of experience can Sarah Palin uh, bring to bear on our troubling and often very mysterious relationship with Pakistan? God only knows. Well, and you'll recall that George Bush, when running for president, didn't even know who the prime minister doesn't didn't even know who Musharraf was. Right. And that, of course, turned out to be um, very ironic, given the events uh, known as 9-11. Okay, well, I guess we're being told to wrap it up. A couple of other interesting items that we'll close the show with from the Harper's Index. It says, percentage changed by 2012 in after-tax income of the top 1%, 0.1% of U.S. earners under the Barack Obama tax plan, negative 5, percentage change under John McCain's tax plan, 12 all income gains during the Bush administration that have gone to the top 1% of earners, 75%. And finally, estimated amount by which per gallon gas prices would change if the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge were drilled, down four cents. So uh, hopefully you can... That's money you can bank on. <laughs> buy a condo and join John McCain. Or a condom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Send it to Sarah Palin. Her, uh, her other daughters may need 
some more uh, education than abstinence. Than, than they are receiving. Yeah, <laughs> abstinence yeah. only. Anyway, we'd like to thank Andrew for engineering. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up next right here on WCBN, FM, and Arbor. Thank you.